0: Hello everyone and welcome back. Um, Before we jump into today's episode, I just wanted to give everybody a quick trigger warning about today's episode. Um, I will be talking very in depth about um, suicide, suicidal ideations, as well as suicide attempts. So if you are someone who has triggers around those topics or maybe you are dealing with those similar topics right now and they are too much for you to listen to at the moment, please turn off the episode. Please do not go any further um, and I will see you next week. Take care of yourselves. I love you guys. What's up besties? Welcome back to the search for serotonin. How is everybody doing this week? I am in such a different place this week than I was last week. I have so much more energy. I have, you know, motivation again. I have a clear plan for how I want to finish out this year. I am just a lot happier and a lot more put together than I was the previous week. Um, I was in a little bit of a funk post launch. And this past weekend and then this whole week really helped me get out of that. So like I mentioned last episode, um, I was preparing to go to my boyfriend's work Christmas party. And so we did that. And oh my gosh, it was so much fun. We had such a good time. Um, We got to get drunk in a museum, which if you've never done before, I 10 out of 10 recommend. I think getting drunk in a museum is incomparable to getting drunk at a bar like it's just next level it was so fun we walked around for a little bit and looked at some of this stuff so it was just a really good time and it was just nice to have a night off and have a night out and just have fun and you know I definitely got drunk so (laughs) it was a good time And then this week, I have been able to move around a lot more. I'm getting more adjusted with my foot and I'm getting strength back in my leg. So the weather in Pittsburgh has actually been like in the 50s and 60s all week. So the past two days, I've been outside. I've been taking walks around my neighborhood, you know, walking like a mile and a half in the morning just to kind of get my day started and i haven't done that in 4 months and i cannot tell you how positively taking walks again has impacted me because just by throwing on you know my playlist and listening to some hype up music and then going and getting outside getting fresh air and just seeing you know nature and the sun and all of these things that i missed out on for 4 months it's just been so awesome it's been so good for my mood, so good for my mental health. And I am now going into the weekend, you know, just with a different mindset. You guys will be hearing this on Monday, but I'm recording this on Thursday. So it's prior to the weekend. So before we jump into today's topic, um, again, we're going to just take a second, check in with yourself, have this moment to see what you need where you're at internally, what mood you're feeling right now, you know, where do you want to be by the end of this episode. So once again, if you're someone who takes medication, take your medication. If you haven't drank water today, drink some water. If you haven't eaten today, go grab a snack, you know, fill up your body, fuel your body so you can make it through the day. You know, you don't want to just be running on fumes all of the time. And then also just take a moment Internally, take a few deep breaths. Maybe just have a quick inner conversation with yourself. Just make sure that you're using these couple minutes here to just be with yourself and not think about any external factors or the stuff you need to get done today. Just focus on pausing and just being present in this moment and being fully attentive to your internal self and what your body needs. So I know for the past couple episodes, we've been on this diagnosis series. So we did anxiety, last week we did depression, and I know I said I wanted to talk about OCPD versus OCD, um, but we're not gonna talk about that today. We're actually gonna put that on hold until next week because there is a much more important story that I need to share with people, and it is very prevalent to this Specific week because at the end of this week, it is going to be Christmas. And like I've been saying the past couple episodes, the holidays can be very hard for people who have um, mental illnesses and they're struggling with their mental health. And the holidays can, you know, worsen that in some cases. So I really want to focus on talking today about mental health and the holidays. And more specifically, I want to talk about suicide and the time period of Christmas, you know, because I personally am someone who has attempted suicide in the past. And that's something that a lot of people in my life don't know. They're not aware of. This is not something I talk about regularly. This is not something I open up about. Um, And a lot of my suicide attempts have to do with Christmas and around the month of December. So I thought what more important time to be sharing these stories and finally opening up about this topic than the week of Christmas. And this isn't an easy topic for me. This isn't, you know, like any other episode. I'm not sitting down ready to record, ready to go. I have been anxious about this. I've been nervous about how this episode is going to go because... I'm scared. (laughs) Like I said, I haven't told a lot of people this story. And this is a heavy story. And if you're somebody who has ever attempted suicide in the past, um, you know, it's not easy to relive those memories. It's not easy to share, especially to people in your life. And for me, I know with this podcast, I know my mom listens to it. I know my sisters listen to it. I know my family members listen to it. I know people who know my boyfriend who listen to it. So when I think about it, you know, it's not just me talking into a microphone, sharing my stories about my suicide attempts. It's me finally sharing these stories with the entire community of people that I have in my life. And not only that. This podcast has been heard in over 12 countries so far. So I am sharing these stories with people all over the world. And so that's been putting a little bit of pressure on me and I've been getting a little nervous, um, but that's the whole reason I wanted to start this podcast. I wanted to share these hard conversations, share these hard stories that, you know, are taboo to talk about in some people's mind. I'm here to open up and share my not so pretty experiences so maybe I can help someone who might be dealing with the same thing. Hopefully the information shared in this podcast can help. So got to take a deep breath. We're going to get through this together and I might tear up a little bit and I'm so sorry if I do, but that's just my real honest reaction to talking about these experiences. So as always, I am going to come at you with some facts and some statistics because who doesn't love some numbers? (laughs) I'm such a nerd. I'm so sorry, guys. But I just wanted to give everybody an idea of, you know, how people are impacted around the holiday season. So I found some information um, and there was a survey done by the American Psychological Association that showed that 38% of the people who were surveyed said their stress increased during the holiday season and stress can bring on, you know, mental illnesses or physical illness. um, And you can start experience it. And you can start experiencing anxiety, depression, Or, you know, it can get worse and it can start to lead to substance abuse, especially if you're stressed and there's a lot of pressure around your holiday situations. Um, And then I found another statistic that said, according to the National Alliance on Mental Illness, um, 64% of individuals living with a mental illness um, felt that their conditions worsened around the holiday season. 64% of people already experiencing these mental illnesses, and they're already carrying, you know, burdens and all of this extra weight. And so where the holidays to most people are seen as this really happy, really fun, really family filled time. If you're struggling with a mental illness, that can only heighten those symptoms. So you're probably already isolating yourself, or you're already putting a lot of burden or guilt on yourself. And so then when you're around people who don't have mental illnesses and they can just go about their holidays and have fun and just not worry about these things, you know, you're internally over there just feeling like a fraud. You know, you're trying to put on this front and you're not trying to take away from the holiday spirit and you don't want people to, you know, feel bad during this time that's supposed to be so happy. So it can be very exhausting and very burdening for people who already have mental illnesses. So I just wanted to share those statistics because once again, if you're someone who doesn't struggle with mental illness and you're listening to this podcast, um, I just wanted to give you an idea of how many people experience this heightenedness around the holidays. I, as a child, always felt very heightened anxiety around the holidays because, you know, especially when social media started coming around, everyone would start posting their holidays and their Christmas and everything that they were doing with their families and all the presents that they got. And so then that made me internally anxious because I started to freak out because I was like, okay, my Christmas doesn't look like that person's Christmas, or I'm not spending as much time with as many people as this person is. So I started to compare my holidays to everybody else on social media. And so then I felt like my holidays weren't good enough, or I wasn't doing enough. And so I tried to not post anything about the holidays because I didn't want people looking at what I was posting and then thinking, you know, she's not as social as I am, or she's not getting as nice as gifts as I am. And so I put a lot of internal pressure on myself that I didn't need to. But that is something that a lot of people can feel during the holiday season. And also, if you're somebody who comes from a family with untraditional family dynamics and things like that, that can also put some added pressure on your holidays, because once again, you know, the traditional holiday image is you go and you spend time with family and extended family and cousins and all of these people, but maybe your holiday doesn't look like that. You know, maybe you don't talk to part of your family or you only spend certain times of the holiday with certain parts of your family, and maybe you don't even celebrate the holiday that you're celebrating on the day that it's actually celebrated. My family's done that before. You know, one year we didn't even celebrate Christmas on Christmas. We did it the weekend after. So there's a lot of different things that play into these factors that can just increase the stress and the pressure that people are already feeling. So I wanted to clear that up for people because just because depression is increasing doesn't mean suicide is automatically increasing. Now that doesn't mean that, you know, suicides aren't still happening around the holiday seasons. So that's why it's still important to be talked about. During the holiday season, it can be really difficult for people who are struggling with mental illness because like I said, it's a time where people feel joy, people feel happy, people feel a lot of love. But when you're someone who is maybe depressed or anxious, maybe you feel guilty or you feel numb or you feel like you don't deserve to experience the same joys as other people. And so it's really hard because, like I said, you want to go and you want to have that time with the holiday, spending it with your family and friends and whoever you might spend it with. But you don't want to take away from their joy with your sadness. So it's not something we can turn off. We can't turn off these depressed feelings or these depressed thoughts or our anxiety around the holidays. And so that's why a lot of times people around the holiday season will mask what they're actually going through in order to kind of save face and make the experience for other people better. So that's why it's important to kind of take notice if people are acting differently around the holidays, just making sure that, you know, you're making that extra effort to talk to them or actually ask if they're okay, or just even spending time with them. You don't need to bring up, hey, are you depressed? Hey, are you suicidal? You can just say, hey, let's go take a drive or let's go to the mall or let's go grab a coffee and just spend quality time together. Those things can make such a difference. So that way you're not bringing up the depression, anxiety, or if they're kind of leaning towards suicidal thoughts, That's that way you're not like directly just like throwing it in their face and kind of making them feel worse about it. Um, You're still being there for them without head-on addressing it, if that makes sense. So like I mentioned, I will be opening up about my own personal suicide attempts. Um, Clearly, those attempts were not successful because I'm here talking to all of you today. And I thank the universe, God, you know, whoever you believe in, um, I thank that being every single day that I'm still on this earth and that these attempts did not take my life because like I mentioned last episode, I had these suicide attempts at a point in my life where I didn't even realize my potential yet. I wasn't even aware of what I was capable of or what I was doing with my life. And so the fact that I'm still here today is something that I honestly do not take for granted. And I am fully aware that I am lucky to be here and I am so grateful to be here. So, my first time that I ever attempted suicide was actually seven years ago in 2014. And I was a senior in high school at the time. So, I started seeing my first real boyfriend ever the summer before this um, suicide attempt. And I met him in the summer. Like I said, we started hanging out a bunch. Um, He was like, Three years older than me, and he lived two hours away and was in college at the time. At the time, I was 17 years old. And I had never had a guy who was interested in me or wanted to date me. And I had never even kissed a boy at that point. Like, I was so just unaware and inexperienced with everything that when this guy showed interest in me, I thought it was the best thing ever. I was so excited that someone finally saw me and wanted me and, you know, wanted to date me because when you're 17 and you're going into your senior year of high school, you know, everyone's thinking about boys and dating and, you know, who's cute and who's not and who are you texting. So for me to finally have an experience where I had someone who was interested in me, I just kind of went all into it. And so he would, you know, drive up to see me and we would hang out and we would go on dates and he would text me all the time and he would say all of these like amazing things and he knew exactly what to say in every situation. And I thought, you know, this is love. Like I'm in love. This is so good for me, but it really wasn't. It was very toxic and very, very abusive mentally. And so, like I said, I threw everything into this relationship, and um, this guy's birthday was in November, so we weren't dating at this point. We were still just hanging out, texting, but we were talking all day, every day. He would be driving up two hours on the weekend just to take me out and hang out with me for a little bit. So when you're 17 and you've never had anything to compare this relationship to, I was like, oh he's my, he's my boyfriend. Like we're dating, like he's going to ask me out. So I have to plan this real elaborate big thing for his birthday. So he'll want to make me his girlfriend. So I spent it, I spent like a hundred dollars on his birthday. And at the time I was 17, I didn't have a lot of money. So that was a really big deal to me. And I had such a great night with him. I was so set on the fact that this is the night he's gonna ask me to be his girlfriend like we're gonna make it official and everything's gonna be great and so then he has a great time goes home and then the next morning i'm like waiting like is he gonna call me is he gonna ask me is he gonna text me is he gonna ask me and the next day he ended up breaking it off with me and i don't remember exactly how the conversation went down or what was said but I was devastated. I was absolutely lost. I had no idea what to do. I did not see it coming. I had never felt, you know, heartbreak before. So I didn't know what to even think or how to feel. And as someone who had already been experiencing a lot of anxiety and depression all throughout high school, this was kind of the silver lining moment where it kind of gave me hope again. You know, I was like, Oh, this is fun. This is new. This is exciting. This is something different. And then it just threw me right back into a depression and I was so miserable and I was so upset and I was determined. I was like, I'm going to get him back. You know, I'm going to make him want me and I'm going to like be his girlfriend because at the time that was like everything to me. And so We broke, we ended things, you know, early November, whatnot. And then we didn't talk for a while. But then right before Christmas, he started hitting me up again and he started saying all these really sweet things again. And he was saying how much he missed me and how he missed, like, messed up and how he just wanted to talk to me again and he wanted to hang out with me again and he wanted to see me again. And so in my mind, I was like, this is great. I got him back. Like he realized that, you know, we should be dating. So on Christmas, you know, I'm obviously talking to him the whole day, hanging out with my family, doing presents, doing whatever. And he was like, oh, like I'm going to, I need to call you later. I just want to talk. And when we would talk on the phone, we would talk on the phone for like, hours. And so I was like, yes, I'm going to get to talk to him again. Everything's going to be resolved. It's going to be great. And I go on Instagram. And I was just looking at his profile because I hadn't looked at his profile in a while because, you know, he called things off. And whenever I looked at his profile, I just got sad and it made me feel worse. And so I was just excited because I was like, oh, I'll see if he's posting any stories or he put up like a picture of him and his family. And I don't know how I got there. I don't remember if it was through his tagged photos or I just saw someone left like a comment on one of his pictures. But I clicked on this girl's profile and her feed pulls up and it's just a bunch of pictures of him and her. And she had posted either on Christmas or the day before and it was a picture of them kissing and she was like saying how happy she was to have him for the holidays and all of that kind of stuff. And so when he called me, I was sobbing. I was just so emotionally like exhausted at this point because I'd spent the last month depressed and crying and just consumed all of my energy thinking about what was he doing? Did he find someone else? When I found the picture, that slight hope of, hey, I have a chance again, was crushed. And it wasn't even the fact that, like, he was, you know, with someone else while we weren't together. It was the fact that he came back into my life and was saying all of those things again. And he was saying how much he missed me and how he wanted to see me and how excited he was to be talking to me on Christmas. And then to see someone else. Actually, with him and actually posting about him, it just crushed me, you know, because like I said, I'd never experienced that type of heartbreak. And so I called him and I was like, What the fuck? Like, what the fuck is this? Like, this is ridiculous. Like, you can go and do that, but just leave me out of it. Like, stop coming back and texting me and pulling me back into this cycle. Just like, either go be with other people or just leave me the fuck out of it. And then that's when it started to get um, more abusive. Um, It was like psychological and mental abuse. Um, He sat there on the phone and manipulated me and he actually harmed himself. And I could hear that harming of himself over the phone because that was one of his tactics on how to manipulate the situation and then make me into the one who was the bad guy and I was the one causing the issues. So he was guilt tripping me back into like somehow I was the one in the wrong and I was the bad guy. And so that was a really long phone call and it was emotionally exhausting and it was something I had never experienced before. And at the time I didn't know I was being manipulated and I didn't know that that wasn't a normal relationship. So I didn't know what to do. You know, everyone in my family was asleep. I was having a panic attack, full-blown panic attack over what had just occurred because I was like in shock. I didn't know what to do, how to feel, and this... Overwhelming feeling of depression and just feeling like I'm not good enough. This is because of me as a person. I'm not worthy enough. If this guy doesn't like me, no other guy is ever going to like me. So what's the point? Like I screwed it up with this one person who finally gave me a chance. And how could I ever recover from that? And when you're having a panic attack, you're not logically thinking, you're not saying, hey, let's sit down, take a break. You're just kind of like in fight or flight and you're just flight mode and you're just scrambling to do whatever it takes to get these feelings to stop. And so I went into my parents' bathroom and I grabbed a handful of whatever extra random pills and antibiotics and stuff that was prescribed to my sisters from other surgeries and other injuries and things like that. I just grabbed as much as I could, whatever I could find, and I was sobbing and I Didn't know what to do at that point. So I just took all of the pills and I remember going to sleep and I was like, I just, I don't care if I wake up in the morning. I don't want to wake up in the morning because I'm not good enough. This is all my fault. And then I did. I woke up in the morning and I was physically fine. You know, nothing happened and it didn't work. And I didn't tell anybody about that. I just kept it to myself and I was playing hockey at the time. I was going to school at the time. And so I was living a very busy lifestyle that didn't give me the chance to process what I had even done to myself, you know, because I had to get back to practice and I had to get back to games and I had to get back to traveling. And then school started up again. And then I had, you know, friend drama and I was still dealing with all of this stuff with this guy. And so I never told anybody and I never dealt with that. I just suppressed all of that pain and sadness and guilt and blame that I put on myself. And I just kept going and that made me really fucking depressed that made me so depressed and I stayed with this guy and for the rest of my senior year he would leave he would come back he would leave he would come back he would make it my fault he would manipulate me and then finally you know at the end of my senior year he finally asked me to be his girlfriend and at that point I had been so through so much emotional abuse that I saw it as like the best thing ever because I was like, finally, all of the crying and all of the tears and all of the self-harm was worth it because now I finally got him and it's all going to be good from here. And that was a lie. It only got worse and it only got more toxic and it only got more abusive and it never got physically abusive. I want to make that very clear because I didn't let that get to that point, um, but I stayed with him until my first day of classes as a freshman in college. And so that went on for a really long time. And then I ended things with him. I finally took enough. I was done with his cycle of abuse. I just couldn't do it anymore. And I was finally in a spot. I got to college and I was around all new people who didn't know what he did to me and how much he took from me and just how much of a shell of a person he had made me. So I was like, great, I can get this fresh start. People don't have to know. It'll be fine. And obviously, just because I was around new people and I was acting like everything was okay, it didn't mean that everything was okay, you know, because I was still carrying around all of that suppressed shit. And so then I got to college and I would drink every weekend and I would just get blackout drunk because when I was drunk, I didn't have to think about all of the shit that I was hiding. And then it would all start to come out. You know, I would cry every time I got drunk because I was so sad that I put myself through all of that. And I was so sad that I let someone treat me like that. And I was so sad because I didn't love myself anymore because I felt like not good enough. And then carrying around the secret of trying to kill myself but then having to act like everything was fine and i was still this happy girl who was like living her best life you know and it just it just was all a lie and so i think it was like october or november of my freshman year of college and one weekend it just got to a point where i couldn't hold it in anymore And I had gotten so drunk and I had jumped right into a new relationship with a guy who I thought I could trust, who I thought I loved again, um, and which I was in no place to be in this relationship because I definitely needed to take some time for myself. But at that point, you know, after all the emotional abuse I'd been through, I thought I needed to be in a relationship. I thought I needed someone to have meaning in my life, which was not the case. And I wish I would have known that sooner. But yeah, I just got to be too much. And our relationship wasn't healthy and it wasn't great either. And so we got drunk one night. We went out. We went back to his apartment. And I don't remember what happened. I don't know how we got to this point. But I just started saying I'm going to kill myself I want to kill myself I don't want to be here like I was trying to like drown myself in his toilet because I was like I don't care how I'll do it I don't want to live anymore and I was completely blackout drunk I don't remember this night I just remember it based off of what people had told me and so he called my roommate at the time and one of my best friends in college and he was like I don't know what to do with her. You guys have to come over and deal with this because this is too much for me. Great boyfriend. I know. (laughs) Um, But that's also a lot to put on somebody. So I wasn't really being fair in that situation. Um, But at the same time, you know, they came over and they got me and they took me back to my dorm and I woke up in the dorms the next morning and my roommate at the time was just looking at me like as I woke up and she just had tears in her eyes. And I'm like, what? Happen like wh- how did I get here like why am I not at my boyfriend's like what's going on and she explained everything that went down everything that I said and she just expressed how concerned and how scared she was for me and she told me she was like Carolyn I think you need to call your parents I think you need to go and get help because this is, wasn't fun for any of us and we don't want to see you like that ever again So that day I had to have the hardest phone call that I've ever had in my entire life. And this is the part that gets me like really emotional is because I had to call my mom from college and tell her in tears that the night before I tried to take my own life and I told her I was scared and I just wanted help and I didn't want to feel like this anymore. And just the pain in her voice, you could tell it, it took her by surprise and it it really hurt her and um but she was so supportive you know she came and got me my dad was there he was like taking me to the hospital and everything because they were like okay we're going to take you to this place right by our house and you're going to go talk to somebody and then we'll just figure out a plan from there and so they got me from school we went to the doctors and they took me back and they were asking me all these questions and my parents were in the room so i had to tell them about the first suicide attempt that had happened on christmas less than a year before and then i had to tell them exactly how i took all of the pills and then i had to walk them through the night of me just being blackout drunk telling everybody i was going to kill myself and just seeing the sadness in their face and the shock and the fear, I just couldn't take it anymore. And I asked the doctor, I was like, can you please just take them out of the room? Because I can't say half the things that I need to say in front of them. I had so much fear and I just felt so guilty because I saw what it did to them. And it was just the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. And so I was there for you know, probably an hour to two hours talking to doctors, talking to different people, answering all these different questions. And I still wasn't even being truthful at that point because like I said, my parents were there and then the doctors were kind of giving me this weird energy where they like, didn't really believe me. So then I kind of only told them half of everything, but still kind of told them what they needed to know. And so then eventually a doctor came in and he looked me dead in the eyes, and he said, you don't have a mental health issue. You don't need to be admitted. You're not suicidal. You just have a drinking problem. And so then as somebody who already didn't want to admit that they had anxiety and had depression or just attempted suicide, someone who was burying that shit for almost a year, then in my mind, I was like, oh, you were right. This isn't a problem. You didn't need to get help. You didn't need to tell people about this." You were just making it all up like you always do. Once again, this is your fault. You are making this up and you're just a liar. And so that hurt me for a really long time because I didn't accept my diagnosis. I ignored the suicide attempts. I ignored it all. I didn't even, you know, admit that anything had happened. And after they said that to me, I didn't know where to go from there. So I was like, obviously I'm going back to school and I'm just gonna keep drinking every weekend and like just blacking out because I don't have a problem. They said it, they're doctors. I need to believe them. And that fucked me up. That fucked me up real big. And that's why my mental health journey has been so hard is because I hit a suicide attempt. And when I actually did reach out for help, They told me I had a drinking problem and it sucks because like I said, that place is right next to my house and I went home for Thanksgiving and I hate seeing that building because I hate thinking about those memories, but I have to drive by it every time I go home. And um, recently they put up a giant banner on the side of the building and it's number one facility in the region for behavioral health. And as someone who went to them seven years ago and tried to get help with my mental health and for them to tell me, you don't have mental health issues, you're just an alcoholic, basically, when I am now confirmed having anxiety, depression, OCPD, and I'm in the process of getting evaluated for ADHD. And so to see them have this recognition of being number one for behavioral health in the region is a slap in the face to someone like me and it gets me emotional and it gets me angry and it gets me pissed off but that's why I want to share these stories because you know even though you might try and get help and someone dismisses you or writes you off or says oh that's not the case you have to trust your instinct you have to trust you because no one knows you better than you and if you think you need help Just because someone tells you no doesn't mean you stop trying. Go to a different doctor. Go to a different person. Go to anybody fucking else until they help you. Because if you think there is something wrong and you're scared of what you might do, then that's valid. And you need to get help because no one should dismiss someone in that way. And I get it was 2014, 2015, whatever it was at the time, like, and things were different. But the fact that a, Hospital dismissed me in that way and then made me hide things and bury things more and just live with this sadness and live with this anger and just it took a lot from me and I know I'm getting like really heavy right now but it's really heavy for me and I haven't shared these stories in like five years so it's a lot coming out right now but I want to give you guys that real honest emotion because this is what it feels like you know And so those were my two actual attempts where I took some type of action and I stopped feeling suicidal after that because I just something in me clicked I was you can't kill yourself because you're not depressed. And so why would you kill yourself if you're not depressed? That just makes you attention seeking. So I was like, you're going to get through it. You're not going to kill yourself. You're just going to keep going. And then also there was that guilt from my family. And it's not that they specifically put guilt onto me, but after opening up to them and then being told that I was just an alcoholic or it was all in my head, I felt a lot of guilt putting My parents through that situation, and my two younger sisters at the time lived at home. So they knew something was up and they knew like something had gone down, and they were able to actually find out what happened because my younger sister said she read my mom's text. So they were really young at the time, and they also were aware of those things as well. So I put a lot of guilt on myself because I was like, why did I put them through that if I'm not actually depressed or I'm not suicidal? And I didn't understand at the time that like that's what I was actually going through but I carried around a lot of guilt and so I told myself you can't kill yourself because how are your parents going to feel you already saw what the attempt of killing yourself did to them so if you actually go through with it what are they going to think what are they going to feel how are they going to go on and how is that going to look if you're not actually depressed so that's kind of what prevented me from going back to that place of I want to die. You know, I just want to kill myself. And so I kept going. I got through college. I really didn't open up a lot about my mental health. I didn't try and get it treated as much. Um, And it wasn't until December, once again, of 2019 that another suicidal thought popped into my head. So in December of 2019, I had graduated college the May prior and I was working in the service industry and at that point I still didn't have a full-time job in my field so I was putting a lot of pressure on myself in that regard and then also I was just experiencing depression after graduating college and going through that big life change and I had been around a family member and They were asking me all these questions like, when are you going to get a job? Why don't you have a job yet? And this family member in particular is a pretty successful one. Um, She has a really good job, you know, she does some pretty advanced things and, you know, she is just really smart. And so coming from her, having her tell me, you know, when are you going to get a job? Just like, why don't you have a job yet? Like all of these things, like she was just grilling me and kind of making me feel bad about not having a job. And as someone who was already depressed and already being hard on myself relentlessly every single day, um, just hearing that from somebody in your family isn't fun. And so I was already feeling extra stressed about that conversation and then I was at home during this period because like I said it was December Um, it was right before Christmas and at the same time I was trying to get a car of my own and I went to the dealership I applied and everything and they told me you can't get this car Um, your credit score is not good enough you don't make enough money all of that and at the time like I said like I needed a car because i was using one of my dad's cars at the time and he needed it for whatever reason and so it was kind of like i had to get this car or i was going to be shit out of luck and so i didn't get approved for the car i just had my cousin basically tell me i was a failure after i'd been telling myself i was a failure for months and months and at that point i just felt like a loser I was like, I can't get a job. I can't get a car. I don't even know what I'm doing with my life. Like, I just felt so alone and so depressed in that moment. I was just so embarrassed. I didn't want to be around my family. I was like, I'm going to go back to Pittsburgh. So I was living in Pittsburgh at that time. I had just moved there. And I was like, I'll be back like next week for Christmas, whatever. And so I just got in the car and I was... Balling my eyes out the whole drive home. And it was about halfway into the drive. And I was just replaying all of those scenarios in my head. You don't have a job. You don't have a car. You can't do anything for yourself. You know, you have to rely on other people. And I just kept putting myself down, putting myself down. And I got to a point where I was on this drive and I was like, why am I even? living anymore what am I even doing with my life like I cry all of the time I'm so depressed I'm so miserable and at the time I genuinely didn't think I could do anything on my own I remember gripping the steering wheel and I could barely see it because I was just crying so hard and in my mind I was like just do it just jerk the wheel really quick you'll go into the barrier and it'll all be over and you don't have to worry about where your next paycheck is coming from or you don't have to worry about how you're gonna find money for bills and groceries or you don't have to worry about like getting approved for a car loan or finding a job or all of that and so I was telling myself just do it just do it it'll all be over and then everyone will be so much happier without you here just do it and I got a phone call right as I was about to do it and it was the car dealership And they said, we actually ran some numbers and reworked some stuff. So we were able to get you approved. And I was like, oh, my God, thank you so much. Like, I can turn around. I'll be right back um, in town. I can come get the car today. Like, we'll make it all happen. And I hung up the phone call and I just started sobbing even more because that call came at the exact right time because I was one second away from just ending it you know, just doing it. And that's why like this story is so important to me, because if I would have done it one second sooner, I never would have gotten the call that would have brought me back down and brought me back into myself and made me think logically again. And so I could have ended my whole life because I didn't get approved for a car and because I felt like a failure when three seconds later, I got approved for a car, you know, and to some people, this is going to sound ridiculous. Like, why would you kill yourself over not getting approved for a car? It's not just that. It's all the added factors that I explained and then feeling depression already. And then on top of that, having other people bring it to your attention. It's just embarrassing. And so I just bawled for a little bit. And as soon as I hung up the phone, my music in my car switched. And so the song that came on was actually a song called Life by one of my favorite artists, John Bellion. And In that moment, that was another sign from the universe because that any other song could have played. You know, that song did not need to play. But the fact that it was a song called Life that played the moment after I'd gotten that phone call like that was me taking it as a giant sign from the universe saying, Wake the fuck up, you're supposed to be here, and you're not meant to end it all yet. You know, you have to keep going. And so the rest of that drive back into town so I could go get this car was just me thinking about the decision I almost made and the weight of the decision I almost made and how that's something I hadn't done in years. And it scared me again, but it also knocked some sense into me because I made a promise to myself that day. And I said, I wasn't ever gonna get back to that point. I wasn't going to let myself get to that thought pattern again and get to that place because you never know what's right around the corner and you never know what's in store for you and even though the world might seem like it's worse with you in it and you would just be better off you know gone you don't know because two seconds later something huge and massive that could change your life could happen and that could propel you in the absolute right direction that you're supposed to be going into and that was a pivotal moment in my life because that set off a chain of good reactions. It just started all of these things that needed to happen in my life that if I would have given up, I never would have gotten to see and I never would have gotten to grow and never would have got to this point where I'm putting out this podcast and, you know, helping other people. So if I would have ended it all in that moment, I would have never been here and I never would have been speaking to all of you. And so I'm just glad. I'm just glad I got that phone call when I did. And then I got to the dealership. I got the car. It was the perfect car for me. I still have this car to this day. I love it so much. Um, And I was so excited. It was such a big deal for me because I'd never had a car like that was completely mine in my life. And that was a huge step. And so I get the keys and I go out to the car to see it for the first time with the license plate on it and everything and I look at the license plate and the first three letters are L F E. And so once again that was another sign and to me it just made me think of the song that came on life, you know. L F E basically spells life, you know? And so I knew that that was a sign from the universe and it was all meant to happen this way and like I said I just made that promise that I was never going to back to that place again and it's been two years now and I haven't been to that place and I'm still holding strong to that. Um, I like to say, I'll never go back to that place again. I hope I don't go back to that place again, but you never know what life has in store for you. But now I'm finally at a place where I'm strong enough. And when I need to get help, if I need to get help again, I know how to do it and I know how to trust myself. And I know that I don't need to do it alone anymore. And I don't need to take these drastic measures because Ending it all isn't the answer. I need to keep living. I need to keep growing. I need to keep evolving. I need to keep changing because that's life, you know? And I can't let these mental illnesses win. I can't let them keep taking time for me and keep almost taking my life from me. And so that's why, especially around the holiday season, I wanted to talk about this topic because you never know what someone's going through. You never know how dark it is inside their own mind. You never know when one wrong word or one wrong phrase or one wrong joke can push them over the edge. So I just ask all of you to be a little bit more mindful this holiday season and to be a little bit more kind and to be a little bit more respectful because we don't know what other people are going through. And sometimes it just can be really hard. So... Just try and be a little bit more mindful and just be a little bit more aware. For anybody who is feeling depressed over the holiday season and maybe they're getting to this point where they're criticizing their own life or getting more into their own head um, just because of everything going on with the holidays, some ways that I suggest that you help yourself out and cope with these feelings is to a unplug from social media you don't need to be looking at what everyone else is doing over the holidays just enjoy your holiday for what it is spend time with the people in your life and be present with them and enjoy those moments that you're having with them and don't compare your life to what your favorite influencer is doing or what you know your biggest rival is doing just focus on you and being present in your moments And then set boundaries. You know, if you don't want to do things, if things are going to trigger you, if things are going to make you upset, don't do them. You know, even if it's a tradition, even your family says, oh, you have to do this. We do it every year. If it doesn't serve you, if it makes you anxious, if it makes you more depressed, don't go. Don't do it. Only do the things that are going to make you feel good and the things that you're comfortable doing because nobody should... Push past your boundaries just because it's a holiday tradition or anything like that. So make sure you're taking care of yourself. Make sure you're doing self-care, you know, make sure you're taking time to just focus on yourself and check in with yourself like we do every single episode because those few couple moments to just talk to yourself internally and just recognize how you're feeling, it can make a big difference. And then try and spend the most amount of time with people who don't stress you out you know if that's your favorite sibling or your favorite cousin um maybe you can just grab them and say hey let's go take a drive or let's go get out of here let's go take a walk um so then that way you're not alone and you have someone to talk to and someone to open up to but then you don't have to have all that added pressure of everyone else in your family okay so i know it was really heavy this episode guys i'm so sorry that it was that intense, but I really just wanted to finally share these stories and just reemphasize that we need to be kinder during the holidays. We need to just be more aware of the people around us and just make sure, you know, you're not alienating anybody and you're not making anybody feel worse than they need to. So I hope you guys have a Merry Christmas Or happy holidays, whatever holiday you are celebrating. I hope you have the best time. I love you all so much. You're all amazing. And I will see you next week. Take care. This week's song is Life by John Bellion. So like I said in the episode, this was the song that played after I got the phone call just a few moments after I tried to end my own life or thought about ending my own life but this song has so much meaning because like I said it was a sign from the universe to me that my life wasn't over and I'm still figuring it out and in this song John Bellion says you know LIFE she's just trying to figure out LIFE and that's basically the chorus repeated over and over and over again and it just has so much significant meaning around my personal experiences And even today when I hear this song, it just carries so much weight and it reminds me of how I felt in that moment, you know, how I told myself I'm never going back to feeling suicidal and I'm never letting myself get to a place like that again because I know now that I'm capable and I'm able to figure it out and move forward and grow and learn. So if anybody else is in a tough spot, I hope this song brings your mood up. I hope it helps you out. And I hope you guys are liking these songs. I was talking to my mom this week and she said she is a fan of the songs that I put at the end. So what's up, Anne? This one is for you. I will keep doing these just because you told me you like them. Um, Yeah, so if you guys want to see any specific songs or you just want to share some new songs with me, let me know. I'm always looking for new music. All right. So once again, you can find the Spotify playlist in the show notes and it'll be linked. So you can go listen to Life by John Bellion. Have a great Christmas, you guys. I'll see you next week. Love you.